Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Well, when you learn something... You, uh, sometimes you have to do book work and, and go through that. So you need to get the basics down. And, and sometimes you need to, to observe how it's actually done. When I was in college, uh, I majored in education and in history. And so I read lots of history books and took lots of lectures. And, and I had all kinds of teachers. I said, this is how you teach. Uh, but that was the classroom I needed more than that, and so part of the curriculum was for me also to go into some classes and, and watch real teachers do what they do. And my first one was uh, uh, Mr. Rode in, in Wauwatosa East High School in, in the Milwaukee area, and, and he was a master teacher. And so I, for a semester, I was able to spend time uh, watching him, and he gave me some assignments to work on. And, and then after that, uh, I spent a semester as a student teacher myself, where I worked with a couple different teachers on different classes, one on world history and one on U.S. history. And, and one of those teachers was, was a good, solid teacher, and the other... Well, he was a mess. (laughs) His life had kind of spun out of control in a number of ways. And and so uh, they were very different perspectives I got on what teaching was all about. And and, and, and as as I observed those, there was things that from the master teacher I learned about dedication and, and, and from the solid one of just how we work through the curriculums that we have but also maintain connections with uh, students. And then from the one whose life was out of control, I learned uh, maybe some, some structure and order and, and how to, to, to work through things even when life was disordered. So some of it was to-dos and some of what was uh, not to do's. Uh, I heard their stories uh, as I spent time with them and, and got to know them. And, and, and that's how I learned as well. And as we look at scriptures and we, we think about this life that God has called us to, a lot of it happens in narrative form. When we come to the Bible, there's many of the things we learn are stories. And they're not lists of do this, 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 and this. This is how you do it. It's, it's things that we, we access by watching and observing different parts of their lives. And, and in doing so, uh, we get pictures of this is, this is what life is about. Uh, we've been looking at the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And and we're, we're being shown the way that God accomplishes his plan. Jesus gave his disciples some instructions before he left. They were to be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. At that time, they were in Jerusalem, and they were to remain there until the Spirit came upon them. And then the Spirit did come, and, and they began speaking of Jesus around Jerusalem. And, and then in the last couple of weeks, we saw how they got to Judea and Samaria. It wasn't necessarily a plan that we would have grasped or, or even put together on ourselves because 
they got to Judea and Samaria as a result of persecution that was being visited upon them. The, 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 the religious community had become so irritated and angry with this community of Jesus' followers that they killed one by the name of Stephen and then began to try and eradicate it completely. And so well, followers of Jesus scattered <laughs> to other parts of Judea and Samaria. And last week we looked at a guy named Philip. Philip had been called to help minister to the widows within the community, but in the scattering he finds himself in a, a Samaritan town. And we talked a little bit last week about the dynamics of going to, well, people you want nothing to do, and to uh, walk with them and and share Jesus with them. And, and we saw many of them respond to Jesus. And we're going to continue with Philip's story today. And as, as, as we see how this gets lived on. Again, the dynamics of this life sometimes are not the way we expect them to be. We, we have a plan. This is how my life is going to be. Or this is how it should happen with God. But sometimes it just it doesn't work in that way. And, and what do we do with that? What do we do with the difficult things that come our way? Sometimes unjust things that happen to us. And, and yet somehow God says, yep, this is where you're at. What do we do with that? Uh, my friend Luke, who uh, has been doing some spiritual mentoring of me, he, he's asked me to, 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 to take some of the, the painful moments in my life and the joyful moments in my life and ask a couple questions. First is, God, where were you in circumstance? Where, where were you? you? I know you were there somewhere. Where were you? And, and the second question, what did you want me to, to see in this moment? Whether it was something joy-filled or something hard and painful. And, and, and in doing that, I've, I've had some moments where I've had to say, you know, the, you know how in your stories, and I've said this before, in in, in our stories, we're always the star of the story, right? Like, it, it revolves around us, and, and we are pure as the driven snow. If, if, if something bad happens to us, well, that person was completely at fault, and we, as innocent as can be. But on some further reflection, maybe not so much. And uh, that's one of the things that he's helped me discover myself, that, that God, even in these hard things, when people did things I didn't like and were hurtful, he was still working and doing an action. And, and that's what we're seeing in these scriptures, that the persecution that broke out against the church, God used it to begin enacting this plan he has to tell people outside of Jerusalem who Jesus is. And as we continue that story today, we're going to see again Philip as he engages in while sharing the principles of this life. If you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And again, coming from that time when he, uh, he was in the Samaritan village, the story moves on, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official, official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the, the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Again, we have here a story. But I think one of the great things we see in this story are or some ideas we can get out of what does it mean to share the gospel with someone? The angels, when the, when the disciples were in the prison, told them to go in the temple courts and tell people about this life. And, and this, this, this terminology, this life, is just a great description of the gospel because it is about what we believe, but it is also how we live now that we've come to know who Jesus is and we tell others about it. And so for Philip, as he is living this out now, being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, he, he comes across and, and one of the first things that he does is, well, the Spirit speaks to him. And, uh, and the first thing for him to do then is to listen to the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit says, go, go down this road. And I, he goes down that road. And then the Spirit says, go near to that, that chariot. And he goes near to that chariot and, and then begins engaging with this, this, this Ethiopian eunuch. And, and it may seem simple to, to listen to the Spirit. I mean, if the Spirit tells you to do something, why wouldn't you do it? But I think there's, there's something for all of us to maybe take a step back and say, what does it mean to, to even hear the Spirit? What does the Spirit sound like? It seems in this indication that, that for Philip, it was something very audible, and he soon knew exactly what he was supposed to do. And, and uh, that doesn't seem to happen to me very often at all. Uh, and most, if anything, the, the things I get are, are a prompting, maybe to call someone on the telephone and say, hey, how you doing? Or, or to, to go visit someone or uh, talk with someone or maybe to read a book that I've been meaning to read and pick it up. And, uh, but what does it mean? And I, and I think part of it, well, it's, it starts off by being sensitive to the fact that God just might say something to you specifically that he might have something that he wants you to do in terms of sharing your life. Now, this idea of sharing the life and, and talking about Jesus, these are, these are not big ideas that the Spirit's going to have to say to us because it's part of being a follower of Jesus. We live this life and we are witnesses of him, and, and so that's how we are to live this life. But who do we speak to it about? And, 
And sometimes that's in the prayerful conversation we're having with God. God, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to? Is there someone you, you're, you're, you're asking me to speak with? And, and then to spend some quiet time listening. Uh, sometimes in our prayer life, we, we spend more time talking and asking and maybe not so much time listening. God, what is it you're calling me to do? And then be silent before him and listen and then ask what it is that he's happening him. So Philip listens to the Spirit, and the Spirit, again, for him, very directive. Go down this road. There's a chariot. Go next to him. And in the process, discovers some, someone who is reading scriptures. And, and who does he discover? He, he discovers, well, an Ethiopian eunuch. How does he know he's an Ethiopian eunuch? Well, our narrator tells us definitively, but undoubtedly Philip probably asks him and he hears some things about him and, and the, the scripture says as well he was pretty important. He was in charge of the treasury for Queen Candace of the Ethiopians. He had responsibilities but we learn as well that he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was reading the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Well that probably tells us a lot about him as well that uh, certainly with such a role in, in Candace's kingdom that he may have had more resources than most people because to, to have a piece of the scriptures was not very common. Not every house would have had something like this because each copy of scriptures would have had to have been handwritten. And so they would have been a little bit more rare than many of us who have one or two or three or ten Bibles in our house. They would not have that kind of access. But we also learn he's, he's a eunuch. Uh, what does that mean? Well, a eunuch is someone who has been castrated, a male who basically has his ability to make children taken away from him. Uh, it was a pretty common practice for someone who would have been serving in a kingdom, whether it was for a king or for a queen. Uh, the, the, the thinking is if, if this person can't have children, then if the, the, the royal lady comes up pregnant, you know that it's not that guy's child. It must be the only person who still can have children, which would be uh, the queen's husband. Uh, uh, pretty common practice because uh, they wanted to know who was going to be the next heir and, and to have any questions about that, the eunuch came about. But there's something else about the eunuch. Uh, it speaks about eunuchs in the scriptures. In, in Deuteronomy, it says specifically that if you're a eunuch... Well, you're not allowed into the, the assembly of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 23 talks about this. Uh, that's you're not permitted. This is something that you're restricted to. And, and yet somehow he is interested. It's not that you can't worship God, but you can't go into the temple and to the assembly. And, and, but here you have this guy. Now, one of the things that Philip undoubtedly has had to do is to, to have a conversation with him. How do we know all this about this Ethiopian eunuch? Uh, he discovered, who, is, who am I talking to? As we speak with people, we get to know them. As the Lord says, I want you to talk with them, part of what we do is, is spend time getting to know one another. 
on some level, this is just being human, right? Oh, we have a conversation. What's your name? Who are you? What do you do? Uh, where are you from? And then this is just a part of the dynamics of us communicating with people. And, and be people. Get to know what's going on. And as you speak with them and, and hear who they are, you, you discover all kinds of things about him. Philip was able to discover this guy, he'd been to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, he's kind of in a very different place than than someone who wanted nothing to do with God at all. This guy cared and and was interested. He also has a piece of Scripture, a very important piece of Scripture, uh, the the scroll of Isaiah the prophet. and, And as he hears him reading... He begins to engage them in some questions. And, and questions are a great thing to figure things out. Who are you again? What's your name? But do you understand what's going on here? Well, this eunuch, <laughs> in no uncertain terms, says, Well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And, uh, and then understands that Philip knows a little bit about the Scriptures and invites him up, and they begin to talk about the scriptures. But again, there's, there's some pre-work to, to figure this out. Who are you? Where are you coming from? What is your, what is your intention in, in looking at this? Uh, we discover where people are at, again, by questions uh, and figuring this out. And, and then that opens the door. And Philip is able to talk about him. And, and, and he's, he's able to because he knows a little bit about the scriptures. He has had some understanding and, and some training himself. Um, he, would have, he would know about the fall of mankind in Genesis 3 and, and, and the blessing that Abraham was to be in all people as described in Genesis 12. And, and as they come to this particular passage of Scripture, uh, there's a little bit of it that's, that's read there. Undoubtedly, he was reading much more of it. But uh, these chapters 52 and 53 of Isaiah... Uh, he couldn't have been in a better spot in the scriptures in the Old Testament because it's talking about the suffering servant, that of, of what he's going to do, how he's going to get at his life. Uh, that, that, that great phrase that many have memorized, we all like sheep have turned away and each of, uh, uh, we, all, we all have sinned. And Oh, wow. <laughs> I memorized it at once. <laughs> Uh, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, again, this picture of, of the one who suffered on, on account of others is part of the description here. But, but not only is this part of the passage that's described, but as it goes on in, into fa- chapters 54 and 55, we, we see about this new covenant and, and, and that tremendous chapter 55 which begins, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come by and eat. And this invitation to come and to God's presence to know him, that the invitation is there for you. But then as chapter 55 goes into Isaiah 56, remember what I said about eunuchs and they they have no part of the assembly? Chapter 56 begins to address that as well as all foreigners. Uh, very much uh, uh, Judaism was, was, was very much nationally oriented. And certainly there were others outside of uh, the, 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 the lands of, of Judah that knew of Yahweh, of knew of God. But, but many were separated because of their foreignness. And then 56 comes along and says these things. This is what the Lord says. 
maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Philip takes these passages and is able to speak to this foreign eunuch about the hope that God has promised that is, that, is, that is promised even within the book of Isaiah, but as Isaiah points itself to Jesus and the Son of God as he lives his life, and he, the one who becomes that sacrifice, the one who, on account of us, is slain. Jesus finishes all of this, completes this, and it's extended to all mankind. Whether you're part of the nation of Israel or not. Foreigners, eunuchs. One of the side effects of being castrated is you're not going to have children. You're not going to have a name that will go forward. And the promise in Isaiah is, I will give you an everlasting name in my holy temple. What? Could he not have been in a better place in the scriptures? And as the Spirit lines Philip up and tells him to go down this road and go near this chariot and, and then begins to speak of it, Philip's knowledge of the Word and the faith is able to connect all these things together and say, this is the life that God offers to you. And as they travel down the road, they come to a body of water and the eunuch says, whoa, should I not jump in there now? Should I not be baptized right now? Baptize, baptism being an expression of, of new life that comes. That, that as we under, come to understand baptism in the New Testament, it, it is a death of our old life and the emergence of a new. Our allegiance now is with God himself through Jesus Christ. And so he comes to a response. And as they speak about this. The, the eunuch is moved to respond and he's baptized. Well, this is not exactly a handbook on evangelism. It's not a this, say this, this, and this and, and begin this way. It's a word picture. It's a story that gives us a picture of how God is working that God continues to do a work in and through us in all kinds of different ways. 
There's just no template that says, this is how you must do it every time. But, but, but the template, if anything, is, is, again, listening to the Spirit and allowing Him to do His work in and through us. And, and yes, there's ways for us to be prepared. We ought, if we love the Lord God and Jesus, we ought to know something about our Scriptures and about our faith and be able to say something about it. Uh, our brother Peter wrote, writes in, in, in his letter in, in 1 Peter chapter 3.15, uh, he, he writes to us, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, are you prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have? Because we have hope, don't we? Because of what Jesus has done, we have this new life. Are you ready to tell people about it? And you don't need to come up with something brilliant and mind-blowing. You just have to speak of the life that God has called you to do, to understand who he is and what he's done. Isn't, aren't we motivated to know that in the first place? Aren't we excited about what God has done? And, and shouldn't that bleed out of us? Because as God's church, we come to him not to have places to meet in private but joining him on a mission Daniel Gruder in, in his book on, on uh, the missional church he, he speaks of, of the church being not God's goal but God's instrument and witness God's instrument and witness that we are a tool for God to use to tell people of his amazing love for them and the work that Jesus has done. And so that our life as the church is is not contained solely within these walls, but is wherever that we, we go. Which is the picture that Philip gives us in the first place, isn't it? That when Philip is moved out of Jerusalem where the church had gathered and they're learning and they're telling people there. Now they're spread out to Judea and Samaria to places that they might not even be welcome as Jews necessarily, but nevertheless now have an opportunity to tell others about what they've known. Uh, they've come to a time of crisis. Uh, it's interesting that the Chinese character for crisis I read what is, has two symbols to it, that one is danger and the other is opportunity. Isn't that great? Danger and opportunity together. And when, when things in our lives go in ways unexpected, when, when we face things that we considered unjust as Philip undoubtedly thought the persecution would have been. They're just telling people about Jesus, about truth, about life, and, and they're being killed for it and imprisoned for it. How is this right, God? And yet, in the danger of that is this opportunity to speak of this life as the Spirit guides us, as we take what we've learned and known and discovered about this life to be able to speak of it in the places that we go. And I think the call for, for each of us in this is, is to consider, God, I know you've taken me down some roads and, 
and I didn't really like it. <laughs> you know, maybe a family member did something to me that's, that was a betrayal. Maybe it was work. Maybe it was even the church. But whatever it was, you were there. What do you want me to see from that? And how can I follow you and honor you out of that? Because you've been so gracious to me. And sometimes in, in the hurts that we have, we forget that the hurts that Jesus took upon himself, that his life and his death, excruciating, he went through for us because of us. Paul writes to the Romans, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the first step and graciously calls us to himself. And now as followers of Christ, we go to where he sends us and listen to him. David Nielsen, whom many of you know would be Peter's brother, we were talking the other day, and he's been um, uh, listening to a, a, a guy talking about missions experiences and, and, and how the, the, the persecuted church is seeing the Lord Jesus get lived out. That the, the stories that are happening here in Acts and in, throughout the, the original context of the church, they still continue to happen. Uh, for him, as he lives his life, he continues to see God bring people together. The Spirit called people together. Uh, this particular author, he, uh, he, was, he was traveling uh, to a foreign land, and he was in, he was actually in Russia, and and he was hearing about their stories of, of persecution, and, and and the ways that the Lord had gotten through, and and that the church was building and growing in this, and and I said, why I've not read about this? Why don't you guys write some books so we can know what's going on here? This is awesome. This is fantastic. And and one of the pastors said to him, in the morning, do you get up and? Get your children up in the morning and look to the east and say, look, the sun is coming up. Well, well no, it comes up every day. <laughs> exactly. And the things that we were describing happen so often to us. Why do we need to write about them? We are living them. Later on, he went down to, to Ukraine and was speaking to some others, and they were a little bit less kind to him about it, but one got on his face, and, and, and I said to him, okay, you, uh, you want us to write it. Why do we need to write it? They're in, they're in the book. They're in the scriptures. The same things that happened there, that still happens today. God still is doing a work and, and drawing people to himself today. And so for us, as not a place to go to as church, but as the church, as we go throughout this world, as God's instrument in witness, for God to use us as we interact with others, 
speaking of this life that he's given to us. So, again, what is Philip's example for us? Listen to the spirits. Have an have a ear sensitive enough to, to think that God might actually have something he's calling you to. And then listen to it as you have your conversation. Don't have a one-way conversation with God where all you do is give him your lists. But then as you interact with others, get to know them, hear who they are, discover where they're at, and, and then as you ask questions of them and, and you speak of who you are, that's this life that you've come to know, you can invite them to enter in. And that's us as mission on the way. And certainly we still gather here. We come to, 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 to encourage one another and lift one another up and, and to lift our Lord together because this is just good and right. This is part of the fellowship coming together. But we recognize that we leave here as missionaries to wherever God may send us. And so, what is he saying to you? What is next stop on your way as you continue this amazing path and journey that God continues to spread throughout this world? Let's stand for closing prayer. Holy Spirit, we, we come here. We're thankful for the ways that you've inspired the, the biblical authors to, to, to relay these stories to us. And for the messages that come and, the, and to, to engage with them and how you worked and to be reminded you still work, that you are still alive, that you are still moving, you are still God. And you are still the God who loves this world so much that you sent Jesus, your only son, that whoever might believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you that we've received that message. And Lord, we'd ask that you'd help us. Help us to listen to what you have next for us, that we might be able to share that with others. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that has not stepped and begun this path with you, Lord, I'd ask that your spirit would be moving even now of drawing them to yourself, that you love them even though they have sinned in their lives. And you want to extend forgiveness. And the offer has been made. And what they need is to receive it and say yes. Spirit, I'd ask that you move and and. Lord, if there's anyone today that they, uh, that they might not only say yes to that, they, but they might indicate to someone, to a friend, to a pastor, here to one of our elders, I want to make this my life. Father, we, we bring ourselves to you, knowing that we're, we're frail, that we stumble along the ways, but empowered by you, great things happen 
because you've done a work for us and you've done and begun a work in us and now we'll continue to do a work through us. We come before you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.